astonished at my own speed. I leapt over witch's feet, right and left, and in no time at all, I was down the stairs and on the floor, the ballroom itself, and skittering off among the droves of chairs. What I especially liked was the fact that I made no sound at all. As I ran, I was a swift and silent mover, and quite amazingly, the pain had all gone now. I selected the back leg of the chair, and I squeezed up against it. I kept very still. Leave the little stink pot alone. It is not worth bothering about. It is only a mouse now. Somebody else will soon catch it. Let us get out of here. The meeting is over. Unlock the doors and shove off to the Sunshine Terrace to have tea with that idiotic manager. And all the witches of England went off to have tea. And Luke, hiding behind the chair leg, suddenly remembered Bruno. Bruno? Bruno Jenkins, are you there? If you can hear me, give a shout. He pottered around between the seat legs, trying to get used to being so close to the ground. Luke decided he rather liked it. Mice don't have to pass exams. Mice don't have to worry about money. Mice, as far as he could see, only have two enemies, humans and cats. Luke's grandmother was a human, but he knew for certain that she would always love him, whoever he was. Luke spotted another mouse. It was crouching on the floor, holding a piece of bread in its front paws and nibbling away at it with great gusto. Well, hello, Bruno. What have you found? One of them dropped it. It's a fish paste sandwich. Pretty good. Listen, Bruno, now that we are both mice, I think we ought to start thinking about the future. What do you mean, we? The fact that you're a mouse has nothing to do with me. But you're a mouse too, Bruno. Don't be a fool. I'm not a mouse. I'm afraid you are, Bruno. I most certainly am not. Why are you insulting me? I haven't been rude to you. Why do you call me a mouse? Don't you know what's happened to you? What on earth are you talking about? I have to inform you that not very long ago, the witches turned you into a mouse. Then they did it to me. You're lying. I'm not a mouse. If you hadn't been so busy guzzling that sandwich, you would have noticed your hairy paws. Take a look at them. Good grief! I am a mouse! You wait till my father hears about this. I don't want to be a mouse. I refuse to be a mouse. I'm Bruno Jenkins. There are worse things than being a mouse. You can live in a hole. I don't want to live in a hole. You can creep into the larder at night and nibble through all the packets of raisins and cornflakes and chocolate biscuits and everything else you find. You can stay there all night long eating yourself silly. That's what mice do. Now that's a thought. But how am I going to open the door to the fridge to get at the cold chicken and all the leftovers? 
Well, uh, maybe your rich father will get you a special little mouse fridge all to yourself. One that you can open. But your biggest problem at the moment is your parents. How are they going to take this? Will they treat you with sympathy and kindness? I think... I think my father is going to be a bit put out. And your mother? She's terrified of mice. Mm. Then you've got a problem, haven't you? Why only me? What about you? My grandmama will understand perfectly. She knows all about witches. I suggest we both go there first of all and consult grandmama. She'll know exactly what to do. They headed towards the doors, which were standing open. Bruno, still grasping part of the sandwich in one paw, but he followed after Luke. As soon as they were out of the ballroom, they took off like a flash. They streaked down the corridor, skittered through the lounge and the reading room and the library and the drawing room until, finally, they arrived at the stairs. Up the stairs, the little mice went, jumping quite easily from one to the other, keeping well in against the wall all the time. Grandmother's room and Luke's own were on the fifth floor. It was quite a climb, but they made it without meeting a single person on the way because everyone was using the lift. On the fifth floor, they raced along the corridor to the door of Grandmother's room. A pair of her shoes were standing outside the door, waiting to be cleaned. Suddenly, I caught sight of a maid coming along the corridor towards us. I saw at once that she was the maid who had reported me to the manager for keeping white mice. Not, therefore, the sort of person I wanted to meet in my present condition. I hopped into one shoe and Bruno hopped into the other. I waited for the maid to walk past us. She didn't. When she came to the shoes, she bent down and picked them up. In doing this, she put her right hand inside the one I was hiding in. When one of her fingers touched me, I bit it. It was a silly thing to do, but I did it instinctively, without thinking. The maid let out a scream that must have been heard by ships far out in the English Channel. And she dropped the shoes and ran like a wind down the corridor. Grandmama's door opened. What on earth is going on out here? Close the door, Grandmama! She looked around and saw two small brown mice on the carpet. Please close it. This time, Grandmother actually saw Luke the mouse talking and recognized his voice. She froze, becoming absolutely motionless. Oh, please close the door quickly. That awful maid might come back in. Grandmother somehow managed to gather herself together enough to close the door. She leaned against it, staring down at Luke, white-faced at the mouse, shaking all over. Luke saw tears beginning to come out of her eyes and go dribbling down her cheeks. Don't cry, Grandmama. Things could be a lot worse. I did get away from them. and still alive. So is Bruno. Very slowly, she bent down and picked up Luke with one hand. Then she picked Bruno up with the other hand and put them both on the table. There was a bowl of bananas in the center, and Bruno jumped straight into it and began tearing away 
with his teeth at one of the banana skins to get the fruit inside. Grandmother grasped the arm of the chair to steady herself, but her eyes never left the mice on the table. Oh, my darling. Oh, my poor sweet darling. What have they done to you? Of course I'll look after you. Who is the other one? That was a boy called Bruno Jenkins. Where did it happen? Where is the witch now? Is she in the hotel? It wasn't just one. It was hundreds. They're all over the place. They're right here in the hotel this very moment. You don't mean... You don't actually mean... You don't mean to tell me they're holding the annual meeting right here in the hotel. They've held it, Grandmama. It's finished. I heard it all. All of them, including the Grand High Witch herself, are downstairs now. They're pretending that they're the Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. They're all having tea with the manager. Tell me everything, right from the beginning. And please, hurry. Grandmother sat and puffed her cigar and focused on the tiny mouse in front of her. Luke gave a complete report of everything that had happened in the hotel ballroom. He finally finished, exhausted. You can't stop witches. Just look at the power that terrible Grand High Witch has in her eyes alone. She could kill any of us at any time with those white-hot sparks of hers. You saw it yourself. Even so, Grandmama, we've still got to stop her from turning all the children of England into mice. Can you explain something to me, Grandmama? Grandmother reached out and lifted Luke off the table, placing him gently on her lap. The thing I don't understand is how Bruno and I are still able to talk and think just as we did before. It's quite simple, really. All they've done is to shrink you and give you four legs and a furry coat. But they haven't been able to change you into a 100% mouse. You are still yourself in everything but your appearance. You've still got your own mind and your own brain and your own voice, and thank goodness for that. You are a human in mouse's clothing. You are very special. They sat there in silence for a few moments while Grandmother went on stroking Luke's mousy fur very gently with one finger and puffing her cigar with the other hand. The only sound in the room was made by Bruno as he attacked the bananas in the bowl. Grandmama, I may have a bit of an idea. The Grand High Witch told them her room number was 454, right? Right. Then don't you think it's possible that room 454 is directly underneath room 554? That's more than likely. These modern hotels are all built like boxes of bricks. But what if it is? Hmm. Would you please take me out onto my balcony so that I can look down? If that is her room, I bet I could climb down there somewhere and get in. And get caught all over again. I won't allow it. At this moment, all the witches are down on the Sunshine Terrace having tea with the manager. 
The Grand High Witch probably won't be back until six o'clock, or just before. That's when she's going to dish out all the supplies of that foul formula to the ancient ones who are too old to climb trees after gruntle sex. And what if you did manage to get into her room? Then I should try to find the place where she keeps her supply of delayed action mouse maker. And if I succeed, then I would steal a bottle of it and bring it back here. Could you carry it? I think so. It's a very small bottle. But just think, one bottle is enough for 500 people. That would give each and every witch down there a double dose at least. We could turn them all into mice. What an idea. It's fantastic. It's tremendous. You're a genius, my darling. We get rid of every witch in England in one sweep. Mm, There's a lot of work to do. Let's try to get the stuff first. How can we find out for sure if that's her room just below us? We shall check it out immediately. Come along. There's not a second to waste. How are you going to climb down? I've got it. With Luke in her hand, Grandmother rushed back into her own room and began rummaging in the chest of drawers. She came out with a ball of blue knitting wool. One end of it was attached some needles and a half-finished sock she had been knitting for him. This is perfect. I shall put you in this sock and lower you down onto that grand high witch's balcony. But we must hurry. At any moment now, that monster will be returning to her room. Grandmama hustled me out onto the balcony. I assured her that I was ready, and I gave a hearty nod and said good luck. She popped me into the sock and started lowering me down over the balcony. I crouched inside the sock and held my breath. Through the stitches, I could see quite clearly. Miles below me, the children playing on the beach were the size of beetles. The sock started swinging in the breeze, and I looked up and saw Grandmama's head sticking out over the railings of the balcony above. I felt a slight bump. Grandmama cheered me on, telling me to hurry and search the room. I jumped out of the sock and ran directly into the Grand High Witch's bedroom. There was no sign anywhere that it was inhabited by anyone, by an ordinary person. Then there wouldn't be, would there? No witch would be stupid enough to leave anything suspicious lying around for the hotel maid to see. I started skittering around the room and trying to search the room. It wasn't so easy. I couldn't, for example, open any of the drawers. I couldn't open the doors of the big wardrobe either. I stopped skittering about and I sat in the middle of the floor and had a think. If the Grand High Witch wanted to hide something top secret, where would she put it? Certainly not in any ordinary drawer. Not in the wardrobe either. It's too obvious. I jumped up onto the bed to get a better view of the room. Hey, I thought. What about under the mattress? Very carefully, I lowered myself over the edge of the bed and wormed my way underneath the mattress. I had to push forward hard to make any headway, but I kept at it. I couldn't see a thing. 
I was scrambling about under the mattress when my head suddenly bumped against something hard inside the mattress above me. I reached up and I felt it with my paw. It was a little bottle. I could trace the shape of it through the cloth of the mattress. And right alongside it, I felt another hard lump. And another. And another. The Grand High Witch must have slit open the mattress and put all the bottles inside and then sewn it all up again. I began tearing away frantically at the mattress cloth above my head with my teeth. My front teeth were extremely sharp, and it didn't take me long to make a small hole. I climbed into the hole and I grabbed the bottle by the neck. I pushed it down through the hole in the mattress and then I climbed out after it. Walking backwards and dragging the bottle behind me, I managed to reach the edge of the mattress. At that exact moment, I heard a key turning in the lock of the door. And the door burst open and the Grand High Witch swept into the room. I heard feet walking on carpet. I peeped around the bedpost and I heard Grandmama calling from the balcony door. Hurry up, my darling. Do hurry up. You'd better come out quickly. Who is calling? The Grand High Witch walked across the carpet to the balcony door and sniffed the air. She went out. Who is this on my balcony? Who is it who dares to trespass on my balcony? What is this knitting wool hanging down here? Oh, hello. I just dropped my knitting over the balcony by mistake, but it's all right. I've got hold of one end of it. I can pull it out by myself. Thanks, all the same. Who were you talking to? Just now. Who were you telling to hurry up and come out quickly? I was talking to my little grandson. He's been in the bathroom for hours and it's time he came out. He sits in there reading books and he forgets completely where he is. Do you have any children, my dear? I do not. The Grand High Witch came quickly back into the bedroom, slamming the balcony door behind her. Luke's escape route was closed. It was only when the ancient witches arrived for their grundles eggs and other nasty things that Luke was able to slip out of the door and move up the corridor to the next floor. He gripped the tiny bottle to his mousy chest. He only breathed a tiny sigh of relief when he was safely back in Grandmother's room. I've got it, Grandmama. Look, here it is. I've got a whole bottle of it. Oh, my darling. Thank heavens you're safe. Is this the bottle? Let's see. Formula 86 Delayed Action Mouse Maker. This bottle contains 500 doses. You brilliant darling boy. What time are those witches having supper in the dining room? We've got until 8 o'clock to work out our next move. Bruno. Do you know where your parents might be at this moment? They were in the lounge not long ago. All right, then. I shall put you both in my handbag. Keep quiet and stay out of sight. If you must peep out now and again, don't show more than your nose. They went down in the lift to the ground floor, 
and made their way through the reading room to the lounge. And there, sure enough, sat Mr. and Mrs. Jenkins in a couple of armchairs with a low, round, glass-covered table between them. Mr. Jenkins was reading a newspaper. Mrs. Jenkins was knitting something large and mustard-colored. Grandmother, dressed in black, lace, went thumping across the floor of the lounge and halted in front of the Jenkins table. Are you Mr. and Mrs. Jenkins? Yes, I am Mr. Jenkins. What can I do for you, madam? I'm afraid I have some rather alarming news for you. It's about your boy, Bruno. What about Bruno? What's the little blighter been up to now? Raiding the kitchen, I suppose. It's a bit worse than that. Do you think we might go somewhere more private while I tell you about it? Private? Why do we have to be private? This is not an easy thing for me to explain. I'd much rather we all went up to your room and sat down before I tell you any more. I don't want to go up to any room, madam. I'm quite comfortable here. Thank you very much. Kindly state your business and then leave us alone. Where is Bruno, anyway? Tell him to come here and see me. He's here already. He's in my handbag. What the heck do you mean, he's in your handbag? Are you trying to be funny? There's nothing funny about this. Your son has suffered a rather unfortunate mishap. He's in my handbag. But I do think it might be better if we went somewhere private before you meet him in his present state. This woman is mad. Tell her to go away. The plain fact is that your son Bruno has been rather drastically altered. Altered? What the devil do you mean, altered? Go away! I'm trying to tell you as gently as I possibly can that Bruno really is in my handbag. My own grandson actually saw them doing it to him. Saw the witches turning him into a mouse. Call the manager, dear. Have this mad woman thrown out of the hotel. At this point, Grandmother's patience came to an end. She fished around in her handbag and found Bruno. She lifted him out and dumped him on the glass top table. Mrs. Jenkins took one look at the fat little brown mouse who was still chewing a bit of banana and let out a shriek that rattled the crystals on the chandelier. It's a It's Bruno. Get out of here! How dare you frighten my wife like that? Take your filthy mouse away this instant. Having done her best, Grandmother turned and sailed out of the room, carrying Bruno with her. When they got back to the bedroom, Grandmother took Luke and Bruno out of her handbag and put them on the table. Very well, Bruno. You shall stay with us. And that's that. Now, we have plans to make. In about an hour and a half's time, all the witches will be going down to supper in the dining room, right? Right, and every one of them has got to be given a dose of mouse maker. 
How on earth are we going to do that? Grandmama, I think you're forgetting that a mouse can go places where human beings can't. Yes, but even a mouse can go creeping around on the tabletop carrying a bottle and sprinkling mouse maker all over the witch's roast beef without being spotted. Luke smiled a slow smile. He and Grandmother began to speak very quickly and soon concocted a truly brilliant and daring plan. They've only just enough time to work out the details by the time the clock on the wall chimed. The time has come. The great moment has arrived. Are you ready, my darlings? I'm going to put you both in my handbag now, but I shall leave the class undone. Good luck, my dears. Oh, and by the way, you do realize you've got a tail, don't you? A tail. A long and curly tail. I mention it only because it might come in useful when you're climbing about in the kitchen. You can curl it around and hook it onto things and swing from it and lower yourself to the ground from high places. I wish I'd known this before. I could have practiced. Too late now. We've got to go. Grandmother picked up her walking stick and out she went into the corridor to the lift. The lift reached the ground floor and stopped with a jerk. Grandmother walked out of it and crossed the lobby of the hotel, entering the dining room. It was a huge room with gold decorations on the ceiling and big mirrors on the walls. The regular guests always had their tables reserved for them, and most of them were already in their places and beginning to eat their suppers. Waiters were buzzing around about all over the place, carrying plates and dishes. Grandmother made her way to a small table beside the right-hand wall about halfway down the room and sat. Peeping out of Grandmother's handbag, I could see the very center of the room, two long tables that were not yet occupied. Each of them carried a notice fixed to a sort of silver stick, and the notice said, Reserved for members of the RSPCC. Grandmama pretended she had dropped something, and she bent down and slid me out from underneath the napkin onto the floor and under the table. Go, darling, go. I was on my own now. I stood clasping the little bottle. I knew exactly where the door to the kitchen was. I had to go about halfway around the enormous dining room to reach it. Like a flash, I skittered out from underneath the table and made for the wall. I had no intention of going across the dining room floor. It was far too risky. My plan was to cling close to the skirting of the wall all the way around until I reached the kitchen door. I ran. Oh, how I ran. I don't think anyone saw me. They were all too busy eating. But to reach the door leading to the kitchen, I had to cross the main entrance to the dining room. I was just about to do this when in poured a great flood of females. I pressed myself against the wall, clutching the bottle. First, I only saw shoes and ankles of these women who were surging in through the door. But when I glanced up a bit higher, I knew at once who they were. They were the witches coming into dinner. I waited until they had all passed me by, and then I dashed towards the kitchen door. A waiter opened it to go in, and I nipped it after him and hid behind a big garbage bin on the floor. I stayed there for several minutes. Just listening to all the talk and the racket. 
by golly what a place that kitchen was. The noise and the steam and the clatter of pots and pans and the cooks all shouting. And the waiters all rushing in and out from the dining room yelling the food orders to the cooks. Four soups, two lambs, two fish for table 28, three apple pies and two strawberry ice creams for number 17. Not far above my head, there was a handle sticking out from the side of the garbage bin. Still clutching the bottle, I gave a leap and turned a somersault in the air and caught hold of the handle with the end of my tail. Suddenly, there I was, swinging to and fro, upside down. I dropped to the floor and peeped around the garbage bin. Quite soon, another waiter came in and he shouted, Everyone in the big RSPCC party wants the soup. That's when I started sitting up and taking notice. I saw the head chef place a huge silver basin onto a wooden-sided bench that ran all along the length of the kitchen against the opposite wall. Into that silver basin is where the soup is going, I told myself. That's where the stuff in this little bottle must go as well. Luke jumped up and hooked his tail around the handle of the garbage bin. Then, hanging upside down, he began to swing. Just at the right moment, at the top of his swing, he let go with his tail and went soaring clear across the kitchen and made a perfect landing on the middle shelf. It was a perfect position. And he began working his way along the shelf until he was directly above the big empty silver basin they were going to pour the soup into. He put down the bottle, he unscrewed the top, crept to the edge of the shelf, and quickly poured what was in it straight into the silver basin below. The next moment, one of the cooks came along with a gigantic saucepan of steaming green soup and poured the whole lot into the silver basin. Then a waiter arrived and carried the silver basin away. I left the empty bottle behind a large saucepan and began working my way back along the top shelf. What fun it is to be a mouse doing an exciting job like this. I kept right on swinging. I swung most marvelously from handle to handle, and I was enjoying myself so much that I completely forgot I was in full view of anyone in the kitchen who might happen to glance upwards. A mouse! Ah, Chaos erupted in the kitchen. The head chef, alarmed and offended by the sight of such vermin in his kitchen, lunged through the shelf and then there was a flash of steel as a carving knife whizzed through the air. Luke yipped as the tip of his tail was sliced off and he fell from the shelf to the floor. Everyone was running around the kitchen looking for mice. I dodged and swerved and twisted and turned and then in sheer desperation, hardly knowing what I was doing, and the only place to hide, I ran up the trouser leg of one of the cooks and clung to his sock. Hi, Japus Crapus, he's gone up the trouser. Hold on, boys, I'll get him this time. The man's hands began slap slapping at the trouser leg and now I really was going to get smashed if I didn't move quickly. There was only one way to go, and that was up. I dug in my little claws into the hairy skin of the man's leg and I scuttled upwards, higher and higher past the calf and past the knee and onto the thigh. Holy smoke, it's going all the way up! It's going right over the leg! Help, help! It's in me knickers! It's running around me flaming knickers! Get it out! 
Someone help me to get it out. Take off your trousers, you silly slob. Pull your pants down and we'll soon catch him. I was in the middle of the man's trousers now, in the place where the two trouser legs meet up and the zip begins. It was dark and awfully hot in there. I knew I had to keep going. I dashed onward and found the top of the other trouser leg and I went down it like greased lightning and came out of the bottom and at once again I was off across the floor. It's in me trousers. Get it out. Won't somebody please help to get it out before it bites me? Luke caught a flashing glimpse of the entire kitchen staff crowding around the cook and laughing their heads off. Nobody even noticed the little brown mouse as it flew across the floor and dived into a sack of potatoes. Luke stayed where he was until he was sure they had forgotten about him. Then he leapt out of the sack of potatoes and went across that kitchen floor and into the dining room like a streak of light. And he didn't stop running until he was underneath grandmother's table. He shimmied up one of her legs and landed into her lap. Hello, Grandmama. I'm back. I did it. I poured it all into their soup. Well done, my darling. But oh no, you're bleeding. What happened to you? One of the cooks cut off my tail with a carving knife. It hurts like a bilio. Let me look at it, you poor little thing. I'm going to bandage it up with my handkerchief. That will stop the bleeding. She fished a small, lace-edged handkerchief out of her bag, and this she somehow managed to wrap around the end of Luke's tail. You'll be all right now. Just try to forget about it. Did you really manage to pour the whole bottle into their soup? Every drop. Do you think you could put me where I can watch them? Yes. My handbag is on your own empty chair beside me. I'm going to pop you in there, and you can peep out as long as you are careful not to be seen. Bruno is in there as well, but take no notice of him. I gave him a roll to eat, and that's keeping him busy for a while. Hello, Bruno. This is a great roll, but I wish there was butter on it. Luke peered over the top of the handbag. He could see the witches quite clearly sitting at their two long tables in the center of the room. They had finished their soup now, and the waiters were clearing away the plates. Grandmother had lit up one of her black cigars and was puffing smoke over everything. All around them, the summer holiday guests in this rather grand hotel were babbling away and tucking into their suppers. That's her, Grandmama. That's the Grand High Witch. I know. She's the tiny one in black sitting at the head of the nearest table. She could kill anyone in this room with her white-hot sparks. I've counted the witches. There aren't nearly as many as you thought. You were just guessing, weren't you, when you said 200? It, it just seemed like 200. I was wrong, too. I thought there were a lot more witches than this in England. How many are there? 84. There were 85, but one of them got fried. Where is that grandson of yours? 
My guess is that he and my son Bruno are up to some devilment. Bruno hasn't turned up for his supper, and it takes a lot to make that boy miss his food. I must admit he has a rather healthy appetite. My feeling is that you are in on this as well. I don't know who the devil you are, and I don't much care. But you played a nasty trick on me and my wife this afternoon. You put a dirty little mouse on the table. That makes me think all three of you are up to something. So, if you know where Bruno's hiding, kindly tell me at once. That was no trick I played on you. That mouse I tried to give you was your own little boy, Bruno. I was being kind to you. I was trying to restore him to the bosom of his family. You refused to take him in. What the blazes do you mean, madam? My son isn't a mouse. Come on, woman. Where is he? Out with it. Grandmother sat there puffing away calmly at her black cigar. I can well understand your anger, Mr. Jenkins. Any other English father would be just as cross as you are. But over in Norway, where I come from, we are quite used to these sort of happenings. We have learned to accept them as part of everyday life. You must be mad, woman. Where is Bruno? If you don't tell me at once, I shall summon the police. Bruno is a mouse. He most certainly is not a mouse. Oh, yes I am. Mr. Jenkins leapt about three feet into the air. Hello. Don't worry, Dad. It's not as bad as all that. Just so long as the cat doesn't get me. Bruno? No more school. No more homework. I shall live in the kitchen cupboard and feast on raisins and honey. But Bruno... How did this happen? Witches. The witches did it. I, I can't have a mouse for a son. Mrs. Jenkins will go crazy. She can't stand the things. She'll just have to get used to him. I hope you don't keep a cat in the house. We do! We do! Topsy is my wife's favorite creature. By now, half the dining room was watching the little group. Knives and forks and spoons had been put down all over the place. Heads were turning around to stare at Mr. Jenkins as he stood there, sputtering and shouting. They couldn't see Bruno or Luke, and they were wondering what all the fuss was about. By the way, would you like to know who did this to him? Who? Who did it? That woman over there. The small one in the black dress at the head of the long table. She's the Grand High Witch of all the world. You mean she did it? That skinny little woman over there. By gum, I'll have my lawyers on her for this. I'll make her pay through the nose. I wouldn't do anything rash if I were you. That woman has magical powers. She might decide to turn you into something even sillier than a mouse. A cockroach, perhaps. <laughs> turn me into a cockroach? I'd like to see her try. Mr. Jenkins swung around and began marching across the dining room towards the Grand High Witch's table. Luke and Grandmother watched him. Bruno had jumped up on their table and were also watching his father. 
practically everyone in the dining room was watching Mr. Jenkins now. Mr. Jenkins had not gone more than a few paces towards the Grand High Witch's table when a piercing scream rose high above all the other noises in the room. And at the same moment, the Grand High Witch went shooting up into the air. She was standing on her chair, still screaming. Now she was on the tabletop, waving her arms. Suddenly, all the other witches, more than 80 of them, were beginning to scream and jump up out of their seats as though spikes were being stuck into their bottoms. Some were standing on chairs, some were on the tables, all of them were wiggling about and waving their arms in the most extraordinary manner. Then all at once, they became quiet. Then they stiffened. Every single witch stood there as stiff and silent as a corpse. The whole room became deathly still. They're shrinking, Grandmama. They're shrinking, just like I did. I know. They are. It's the mouse maker. Look, some of them are growing fur on their faces. Why is it working so quickly, Grandmama? I'll tell you why. It's because all of them had massive overdoses, just like you. It's thrown the alarm clock right out of whack. Everyone in the dining room was standing up now to get a better look. People were moving closer. They were beginning to crowd around the two long tables. Grandmother lifted Bruno and Luke up so that they could, wouldn't miss any of the fun. In her excitement, she jumped up onto her chair so that she could see over the heads of the crowd. In another few seconds, all the witches had completely disappeared, and the tops of the two long tables were swarming with rats. All over the dining room, women were screaming and strong men were turning white in the face. A chef in a tall white hat came rushing out from the kitchen, brandishing a frying pan, and another one just behind him was wielding a carving knife above his head, and everyone was yelling, Mice! 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 We must get rid of the mice! It's time to go. Our work is done. Grandmama picked up Bruno and I and found Mr. and Mrs. Jenkins. She strode right up to them and thrust Bruno into Mr. Jenkins' hand. Here's your little boy. He needs to go on a diet. Hi, Dad! Hi, <laughs> Grandmother, with Luke in her hand, turned and marched out of the room. She went straight across the hotel and out through the front entrance into the open air. Outside, it was a lovely, warm evening, and you could hear the waves breaking on the beach just across the road in the hotel. Grandmother asked the doorman to call up a taxi. Is there a taxi here? The taxi came. Driver was an oldish man with a thick, black, drooping mustache. The mustache hung over his mouth like the roots of some plant. Where to, madam? Blimey. Say, what's that you're holding? It's my grandson. Drive us to the station, please. Are we going home? Yes. Back to Norway. Hooray! Mm-hmm. But what about our luggage? 
Who cares about luggage? It was lovely to be back in Norway once again in Grandmama's fine old house. But now that I was so small, everything looked different, and it took me quite a while to find my way around. Mine was a world of carpets and table legs and chair legs and little crannies behind large pieces of furniture. A closed door could not be opened, and nothing could be reached that was on a table. But after a few days, Grandmama began to invent gadgets for me in order to make life a bit easier. She got a carpenter to put together a number of slim, tall step letters, and she placed one of these against each table in the house so that I could climb up whenever I wanted to. She invented a wonderful door-opening device made out of wires and springs and pulleys with heavy weights dangling on cords, and soon every door in the house had a door open on it. All I had to do was press my front paws onto the tiny wooden platform and presto! The spring would stretch and the weight would drop and the door would swing open. One night, she handed me a tiny toothbrush, using a matchstick for the handle, and onto this she stuck little bits of bristle that she had snipped off of one of her hairbrushes. You must not get any holes in your teeth. I can't take a mouse to a dentist. He'd think I was crazy. For a bathtub, Grandmother gave Luke a silver sugar basin, and he bathed in it every night before going to bed. She allowed no one else to the house, not even a servant or a cook. They kept entirely to themselves, and they were very happy in each other's company. One evening, as Luke lay on his grandmother's lap in front of the fire, she said to him, I wonder what happened to that little Bruno. Hmm, I wouldn't be surprised if his father gave him to the hall porter to drown in a fire bucket. I'm afraid you might be right, poor thing. Can I ask you something, Grandmama? Ask anything you like, darling. How long does a mouse live? Ah. I've been waiting for you to ask me that. I've been reading about mice. I've been trying to find out everything I can about them. I'm afraid a mouse doesn't live for a very long time. How long? Well, an ordinary mouse lives for about three years. But you are not an ordinary mouse. You are a mouse person. And that is a very different matter. How different? How long does a mouse person live, Grandmama? A mouse person will almost certainly live for three times as long as an ordinary mouse. About nine years. How old are you, Grandmama? I'm 86. Will you live another eight or nine years? I might, with a bit of luck. My darling, are you sure you don't mind being a mouse for the rest of your life? I don't mind it at all. It doesn't matter who you are or what you look like, as long as somebody loves you. But, Grandmama, now that we have done away with the Grand High Witch, will all the other witches in the world gradually disappear? 
I'm quite sure they won't. But if she's not there any longer, how are they going to get all the money they need? And who's going to give them orders, jazz them up at annual meetings, and invent all the magic formulas for them? When a queen bee dies, there is always another in the hive ready to take her place. It's the same with witches. In the great headquarters where the Grand High Witch lives, there is always another sitting in the wings, waiting to take over, should anything happen. Oh, no! That means everything we did was for nothing. I have become a mouse for nothing at all. We saved the children of England. I don't call that nothing. Why are you smiling, Grandmama? I have some rather interesting news for you. Shall I tell it to you right from the beginning? As soon as we arrived back to Norway, I picked up the telephone and made a call back to England. Who in England, Grandmama? To the chief of the police in Bournemouth, my darling. I told him I was the chief of police for the whole of Norway. And that I was interested in the peculiar happenings that had taken place recently at the Hotel Magnificent. Now hang on a sec, Grandmama. There is no way an English policeman is going to believe that you are the head of the Norway police. I am very good at imitating a man's voice. Of course he believed me. The policeman in Bournemouth was honored to get a call from the chief of police for the whole of Norway. I asked him for the name and address of the lady who'd been living in room 454 in the Hotel Magnificent. The one who disappeared. You mean the Grand High Witch? Well, yes, my darling. And naturally, he gave it to me. One policeman will always help another policeman. They had found her passport in a room, and the address was in it. It was also in the hotel register. Everyone who stays in a hotel has to put down a name and an address in the book. Where she lived, people knew her as a kindly and wealthy baroness who gave large sums of money to charity. I checked up on that. And that address you got, Grandmama, that must have been the secret headquarters of the Grand High Witch. It still is. And that will be where the new Grand High Witch is certain to be living this moment with her retinue of special assistant witches. Important rulers are always surrounded by a large retinue of assistants. It is a castle. And the fascinating thing is that in that castle will be all the names and addresses of all the witches in the world. How else could a Grand High Witch run her business? How else could she summon the witches of the various countries to their annual meetings? Where is the castle, Grandmama? Guess. Norway! Right on the first try. High up in the mountains above a small village. So, we have work to do, you and I. We have a great task ahead of us. Thank heavens you're a mouse. A mouse can go anywhere. All I'll have to do is put you down somewhere near the Grand High Witch's castle, and you will very easily be able to get inside it and creep around, looking and listening to your heart's content. I could! 
I could, and inside the castle I could go snooping around simply everywhere. But your main job, of course, would be to destroy every witch in the place. Formula 86 Delayed Action Mouse Maker. You will feed it to everyone in the castle by putting drops of it into their food. You do remember the recipe, don't you? Every bit of it. You mean we're going to make it ourselves? Why not? If they can make it, so can we. Besides, I know a thing or two about magic myself. It's just a question of knowing what goes into it. Who's going to climb up the tall trees to get the Grundle's eggs? Why, I will. I'll do it myself. There's plenty of life in this old dog yet. We shall let nothing stand in our way. And what happens after that? After the new Grand High Witch and everyone else in the castle have been turned into rats? Then the castle will be completely empty, and I shall come in and join you. Now, hold on, Grandmama. I've just had a nasty thought. When the mouse maker turned me into a mouse, I didn't become just any ordinary mouse that you can catch with mouse traps. I became a talking, thinking, intelligent mouse person who wouldn't go near a mouse trap. Therefore, if we use the mouse maker to turn the new Grand High Witch and all the other witches in the castle into rats, the whole place will be swarming with very clever, very nasty, very dangerous, talking, thinking, rat witches. They'll all be witches in rats' clothing, and that could be very horrible indeed. By golly, you're right. That never occurred to me. They'd have to be got rid of at once. They'd have to be smashed and bashed and chopped up into little pieces exactly as they were in the Hotel Magnificent. I'm not doing that. I couldn't anyway. I don't think you could either, Grandmama. The answer is... Cats! Bring on the cats! It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Shove half a dozen cats into that castle and they'll kill every rat in the place in five minutes. I don't care how clever they are. They're not clever than a cat. Just one thing. You've got to make absolutely sure that I'm well out of the way myself before you put the cats in. That's a promise. What will we do after the cats have done away with all the rats? I'll take all the cats back to the village, and then you and I will have the castle completely to ourselves. We shall go through the records and get the names and addresses of all the witches in the whole wide world. After that, my darling, the greatest task of all will begin for you and me. We shall pack our bags and go traveling all over the world. In every country we visit, we will seek out houses where the witches are living. We shall find each house, one by one, and having found it, you will creep inside and leave your little drops of deadly mouse maker in the bread, or the cornflakes, or the rice pudding, or whatever food you see lying about. It will be a triumph, my darling. A colossal, unbeatable triumph. We shall do it entirely by ourselves, just you and me. That will be our work for the rest of our lives. 
Oh, my goodness me. We're going to be busy these next few weeks, months, years. Grandmother and Luke fell into a cozy silence, imagining their new exciting life together. Luke slowly drifted off to sleep as Grandmother puffed her cigar and stroked his little mouse ears. And they were very happy. The end.